you know this in your own work. We all know this. You, you can't thrill everybody. And today I want to go through some listener emails, starting with one that's supportive, but also angry at me. Um, Doug writes from Las Vegas. We'll go through the, the full email that though he appreciates the information on the show and, and in his words, my prediction of how what he calls the liberals, I call the party, would use COVID and what they do with COVID, how they'd use it and what they do with sex ed and racism. And he appreciates that and gives me kudos for that. He also says, since we have put God at the center of the show, I have become, uh, well, weak. He uses a different word for that. And my CrossFit coach actually had something really, really funny to say about the P word. And when people use it derisively, I'll see if I can work that into the show, although it's a little bit off brand. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. All week, I've been happy to tell you about Soda Weight Loss Partner of the Week. You'll hear them announced at the top of the podcast as whether Partner of the Week, but that's the sign that they are. Such a cool thing to have the consistency of being able to tell family members who I love and always will love to use Soda Weight Loss, as well as telling folks I've met and not met through the podcast family. Same thing at sodaweightloss.com. You simply cannot thrill everybody. And that's one of the things you know in your work. We all know this. It's not unique to being a talk show host, or in my case, former talk shows. Maybe former. Maybe former. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, and now current podcaster. And as I pursue this education, I decided to take uh, undertake when I was in radio. And, and one of the reasons that I left commercial radio is that I, I want to be able to be a pastor one day. Um, and it occurred to me very quickly upon entering this study is that I've got years and years of spiritual maturity to build until I could reasonably ever be called to be a pastor by any responsible organization, uh, responsible church or ministry. And that's good. Because the apostles themselves got discipled by Christ Jesus for three years. And I've yet to meet a pastor who's Christ Jesus. So that, that also in churches, people can't thrill everybody. The biggest conflicts in churches I've learned, because I've been talking to pastors about this, are music. Music is the biggest conflict area they have. People will fight about the music in church. And, and then it's things like seating arrangements and um, it's a lot of the, the quibbling and of course the so-called social issues. There's no such thing as a social issue. That is a pretended constructed dodge that people saying, oh, I don't want to get into the social issues. There's no social issues. There's also no secular issues. There's no secular world. There's no secular politics. This division that we've created amongst ourselves to say, well, that's a secular thing. Let's keep that in the secular world. That's like saying, let's move this fish in the ocean. Let's move it over to this part of the ocean so it's not in the ocean. All, all fish, if they're living and swimming and are saltwater fish, they're in the ocean. So you can move it higher or lower in the ocean. 
You can even take it to different climates. If that doesn't kill it, it's still in the ocean. No matter what we do, we're in God's world. And no matter where we go, we're in this world. There's no secular place. There's no, there's no escape from God. Not that we should want to, but sometimes we do. That was the big epiphany for me. And I may have gotten it wrong. The big epiphany for me was I was having trouble in commercial radio, not doing entire hours like this, which is just listener email, but also starting off with something which is deeply, deeply faith driven. Because I don't know if you can do that in commercial radio. I know Steve Dace has done very well with that, but I don't think his show's completely that way. But he's done very well. Very big audience. Lots of respect. Now, when we bridged politics with faith, and I started to do that, we started to get feedback from people saying, wow, you know, I don't turn into conservative radio to hear Bible thumping. That was one indicator, but I may have gotten it wrong. Perhaps what God was really telling me was, no, continue to do this in commercial radio until they kick you out. Not that there was any indication I was going to get kicked out for talking about the word of God. In fact, that that was never told to me. Never, not not the last company I worked for, Not, not at all. So that brings me to this note from Douglas. And we get notes like this occasionally on the program. And it's, I appreciate the way he starts the note and I'll, I'll just read it and then respond as best I can. Uh, Doug is writing, Douglas, pardon me, Douglas from Las Vegas. Todd, I listened to your show because no one else has done a better job of predicting what the liberals are going to do with COVID, with sex ed and race and stuff. So kudos for that. What bugs me is you seem to think putting God at the center means you have to become a P word. I loved hearing you tear Fauci apart and destroy Obama and Hillary. God's not weak, so why are you weakening? Douglas from Las Vegas. Uh, Love the note. Thank you, Douglas. I appreciate the feedback. Incidentally, I I will just say this. uh, This isn't how I would normally speak, but I, I told my CrossFit coach once about a note like this. And she said, can I just say something? She goes, this might be a little blunt. But why do people choose to take the P word like it's a weak thing? She she said, that's an organ in the body that is one of the strongest organs in the world. She said, all due respect, the male P word's probably weaker than the the female. Why don't they say that? Well, it's sort of a strong point. And then she wanted to describe the ways in which that organ is an incredible and very, very strong organ. And it's a true thing. All right. So, Douglas, maybe it's start there, but... Uh, To directly respond to you, I don't believe I've stopped tearing into these guys. What I'm trying to do is what God has asked us to do, the Lord. What he modeled is truth in grace. So to directly answer your question, since you're using the metaphor of physical weakness, let me match the metaphor. There are, um, when I was at the height of my adult physical conditioning, when I was able to compete in um, what we call RX CrossFit stuff for younger people. That's, that's the workout as prescribed um, and able to do quite well uh, in uh, probably half the workouts um, in the CrossFit Open. This is like four years ago. I don't know if I ever regained that. But I would put young people through a workout that was the most deceptive thing in the world because they all thought it was easy because they were all looking at the beginning. 
And it was a series of movements with factorial increases each round. So you start with one rep of everything and then two reps of everything and then three reps of everything. And the most monstrous we ever did this with was one 225-pound uh, deadlift, one burpee box jump, one 95-pound thruster, and repeat. Oh, and we added to that um, platform push-ups. So that's plyo push-ups to a platform. So raising your body off the ground like six inches. So one, one, one of those. I did this countless times with young people and countless times. And, and I've never seen it fail with young people. They think it's a joke because every minute you do these reps, one, 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 two, two, two. And sometimes we just do it with two movements. One, 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 two, two, two. And you'd go up to, depending on the number of movements, 10 to 12 reps per round. So now you're doing 15 reps of these things every time. Every single time we did this, Douglas, kids would do this. They would fire off, do the one, 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 and sit there and wait. Whereas old people like me would do our one rep, wait. Do our next rep, wait. And by the time we got to five, this is the other thing that these guys constantly, every time they always thought that round five was halfway through. It's not because most of the workload in that workouts on the back end, it's after rep seven is really where you're starting to get to the bulk of the workload. And now things are getting very, very hard. So all that goofing around, all that, ex that, 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 that you know, foolishly expended energy is not in the tank for you anymore. You're done before the workout's done. And I saw it time and again, it would break people time and again because of poor planning. And, and, you know, athletically speaking, we're talking about pacing and understanding your body and, and pacing a workout in terms of the world, Douglas. Uh, look, I could get, I could crack this mic and I could rip McConnell. I, I noticed you didn't mention Mitch because maybe you and I see things differently. I don't see that much of a difference between Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi, some key things, but overall they're, they're party members. I could do that day in and day out. It, and to, to be honest with you, Doug, it would be easier. Douglas, pardon me, it would be easier. Because there wouldn't have to be any restraint on my desire. I desire to spend a whole lot of time talking about what I would like to see done to Tony Fauci on a legal basis. I would like to see Tony Fauci taken to court. I believe he could be convicted. I could, I, I'm pretty sure with God's help, I could convict him in front of a jury. And death sentence? No, no, I, I would not want that for him. I mean, what I'd like to have him do is you can go out, you know, what we'll do, Fouch, is you can now be the test subject for all the stuff that, Fou that, that, that Pharma has coming along down the line. You can now, you will involuntarily be set up to be the test subject for all this fantastic stuff that Pharma has coming down the line. And we'll just keep testing it in you, Tony. And side effects? No, nah, we're not going to document those. Affecting your health? What do you mean? It's safe and effective. What do you mean you got a third eye? That's an advantage. You can see out of the back of your head. So you can't breathe. Who needs to breathe? That's my human desire to see that form of justice with him. And it's a sinful desire because revenge is the Lord's. And that's revenge. Now, does it fit the crime in my eyes? Yeah, but that's my eyes. Now, in God's eyes, uh, I am told to pray for Fauci. And, and not, not a suggestion. The Lord Jesus has said 
that even the demons like care for their friends. Even the demons believe in Jesus and they shudder. It's, it's super easy to pray for our friends, but to pray for our enemies, that's super, super hard. So the workout metaphor is this. For those early rounds, man, that feels so good. And in politics, that feels like we're getting it done. Hey, you know what? I took Fauci down or, or I, I can go through some victories that we had in, in, in the state of Washington. You know, Jay Inslee got called to the carpet because of our show and our radio station on countless times, things that he wanted to do that he didn't get to do. We saved countless parents from having their kids tranced. We saved countless um, businesses from getting blindsided by what Inzu wanted to do. We stopped illegal activity with the transit authority. We, we, we had a whole bunch of victories and that felt really, really good. But those are those rounds of one rep and two rep and three rep. And lurking in the background is the big battle, the bulk of the workload. See, when you get to round seven, what we would install in that workout, and this was the killer part, is if you missed a rep, you had to go back to the last round. Now think about this. You know, you're in that competition. You're competing with these old men. You're going for your, you're in your round of seven box jumps, but you miss a box jump. You don't just get to start over. On the box jumps, you have to go back to the round of six and do that all over again. We call these workouts unbroken. You had to do everything unbroken. Once your hands went on a barbell, you couldn't take your hands off the barbell ever. Not in that round. You had to hold it. So now the workload gets heavier and people begin to fail because they didn't take care of the fundamentals of pacing at the front end of the workout. The metaphor is this. The big workload is on the back end. The big workload is eternity. The big workload is getting many, as many souls to heaven as possible. Because Satan lurks in the early rounds. And it happened every time with these youngsters. In these early rounds of one to two reps, they would clown. They would do extra reps. They would laugh and talk with each other and joke about the old men and, and hey, oh, you're going to sit on the weights? Sure, the barbell's on the ground. I'm going to sit on one of the, um, it's 225. There's 245, so I'm going to take a seat. And guess what? I'm also going to drink some water. And by the time we get to round seven, I know I'm not going to have time to drink water or rest. So I'm banking my rest now but they would get called into their egos. And I don't think Satan cares a whit about that workout. I don't think God cared a whit about that workout, but they were getting called in by their, their human ego to clown and to show how this was nothing to them. Well, politics isn't nothing. It's very, very serious because it affects the world we live in that we've been given by God to steward. So Doug, it takes sometimes strength to be restrained. And I would point you back to some of the recent shows we've done. Some of the conversations I've had, the, 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 the pretend conversations with Mitch McConnell, those are pretty hardcore. I would also point out to you that I consistently refer to Tony Fauci as a psychopath and Bill Gates as a psychopath. 
And I say every single time, I'm not, I, I am not calling names. I'm describing behaviors. I believe it's accurate to say these guys under have psychopathic tendencies. Please point me to other people in media who are calling Tony Fauci a psychopath. I, I think there's a few. I know Dr. Zelenko called uh, Bill Gates a sociopath. I'm not trying to make the show seem good because I call people names. It's not calling names. It's describing behavior. But the Lord Jesus said that we're to be very, very careful about these things. That we need to have respectful tongues in our heads to the degree that we can, particularly when we're speaking to authority. And Douglas, that's so difficult for me. The names, I, I, I was the master of, well, no, Rush, God rest him, was a master of nicknames. But learning from the master, I came up with some fantastic nicknames for people. So I appreciate your notes. Um, I don't feel like the show's become weak. And you're correct in saying God is not weak. But the Lord Jesus very, very rarely showed anger. But now the back end of the workout, Douglas. The back end of the workout is where Jesus comes back and gets some physical work done. That's where he returns. Now, guys, we're on the back end of the workout. Now I've come with righteousness. Now I've come as judge. Now I've come as warrior king. Certainly not weak, but we're not at that point of the workout yet. So thanks for the note. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, Elizabeth. Hey, Todd, I've been listening to you since Rush. God rest his soul. Thank you for what you do and for basing your podcast on Christian principles, which brings me to my point. It struck me today while listening to your second hour that our government is now distorting a biblical truth. God said to us out of his love, be still and know that I'm God. Our government says to us, be still and know that we are God. Carry on in his love and his strength, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. And God bless you and yours. Yeah, you're right. And incidentally, Elizabeth wrote me this before we made the statement on the show the other day. In fact, it was one of the titles of the podcast that these guys want to be the new gods. They, they absolutely do. And they're, they're frankly saying it. So I would just say this, Elizabeth, one of the other things I've noticed, and this came up in, a, in, a, in a, our life group the other night. You know what else Satan's doing? See, as we've said on the show before, Satan can't invent he can't create. He can't love. Uh, I don't. He, I, I don't have biblical basis for this, but it's my understanding or it's the way I was looking at it. He can't feel joy. It doesn't appear to me to be a being who can feel joy. But he twists and he distorts, and in this way he schemes, and he's been a twister and a distorter uh, for a very long time. That's the only thing he can do is twist, distort, lie, and attempt to get us to harm ourselves. Have you thought of the phrase truth and grace? And that's what we're to do. We're to speak truth wrapped in grace, as we talked about yesterday in honor of Dr. Zelenko. Satan's been attracting, attacking truth. You know, there's no such thing as men or women. Racism is not racism. You know the game. There's no, the, the kids should have sex when they're five and there's no God. And, and even if there was, he doesn't mean what he says he means. So what about the grace portion of this? This didn't occur to me until we had this small group session. And I started to think about the word grace. And how Satan is, in fact, twisting not just the word um, grace, but the act of giving it. It's very clever, super smart thing he's doing. And he didn't say he's stupid. 
So I'll talk about that. Plus a note from a young man who is facing a horrendously difficult career decision. And he would like our prayers for guidance. You'll hear that 24. What a decision he has to make. Hey, this is, uh, this is the thing that we couldn't do in commercial radio. This thing that we're doing now. I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing an hour like this in commercial radio. And it might be that you listen to this. It's all through podcasts. It's all self-selection. You know, people very rarely accidentally tune into a podcast. Very rarely happens. So what we're asking you to do is be part of the reason that the podcast thrives. Right now, the Lord has been so, so helpful to us. He has created this relationship with this great company. I'll just say their name. I've never said it. It's Major Media. They're our sales team. Fantastic people connected us with, with, uh, with Bone Frog and, and American Finance and, and Bulwark and Soda and Allen's and, and so much more. And then connecting us. So we're in good territory. The only way to be in solid territory in the media business is to grow. That's in our hands together. You guys are the most potent force for this show succeeding. Honestly, if every single person who listened to this shared it with 10 friends, this show would not just thrive, but it would dominate. So if you can find it in your heart to hit the share button on your podcast app or however you're doing it, take the link from the, the website you're using, be it Omni or iTunes or the ToddHermanShow.com. Share that with friends, particularly if they liked me on Russia's show or ever listened to Russia's show, God rest them. That's the best way for us to grow listeners. And it's the way shows like ours get to stick around. So God's, um, is his, he showed in the Lord Jesus, he showed truth wrapped in grace. That the Lord spoke gracefully to people and gave people grace, but at the same time speaking truth. I mean, if you think about the very famous Sermon on the Mount, that's the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of, of heaven. They will inherit, you know, th- those things. He was speaking truth but he was doing it in a very graceful sense. And that was what he was showing the disciples who became the apostles, but they were the first disciples. Satan has twisted grace. Grace used to be that someone would come to you and say, I have to confess to you, um, the only way I've found to feed myself is I am a prostitute. Young woman said that to you. And grace used to be, oh my goodness, I feel so sad that you've turned to that. I'd like to pray with you and, and see if we could find some other things. Um, this is not something that, that you should be putting your body through, your mind and And Jesus weeps at this, and I want to help you get out of this. The new, quote, grace is to say, oh, you're a sex worker. Are you unionized? And we talked about this yesterday in the program. Sam Brinton, this very, very troubled man who were to trust taking care of our spent nuclear waste, this very troubled man who defends adult men going to websites to shop for little boys on, on whom they carry out their sexual desires, That's the new model. 
So someone goes to Sam Brinton and, and, and says to Sam Brinton, hey, Sam, I got to let you know, I'm applying for the job here to help you manage nuclear waste. But um, in my spare time, I go to websites and look up pictures of 13-year-old boys, hook up with them, and then carry out sexual acts upon their bodies. I mean, that's not the way they'd say it. Of course, they'd say, hey, I need to let you know, I like young boys. And Sam Brinton's act of grace is apparently, oh, so you're a map, a minor attracted person. Okay. All right. Do you pay them well? I mean, you don't hurt them, right? You, you, you pay them well, right? You don't abuse them. Do you ever tip? Satan's stealing grace. Uh, a, a young girl comes to you or a young boy and, and says they're a different sex. They sit you down and they give you the talk that they're, they are taught how to give. There's a kit for this. I'm not joking. There's a kit for this where kids sit down with their parents and they start with something minor. For instance, um, would you ever let me have breast reduction surgery? And the parents shocked. What? Well, just, you know, a minor breast reduction, just this, you know, that really big and it's hard for me to do sports and soccer and, you know, it's just in my way. And if a doctor agreed, like if a doctor said, no, she needs this. If a doctor said so and said, and most parents would go, well, gosh, I guess if a doctor said so, I guess if a doctor said so. And the kids have done the research. So they know now they've opened the door because now you've stepped foot into, sure, sure, I'll let a surgeon touch your body. Even though there's nothing biologically wrong with your body, sure, I'll let a surgeon touch your body. Well, grace is now, when your 13-year-old son comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I've known this my whole life. I've hidden it from you. Um, I've always known I'm a girl. And my name is now Stephanie. And um, if you don't agree and support me, I'm going to commit suicide. Um, my name is Stephanie. And Grace is, oh, my goodness. Honey, our son is, 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 has come out as himself. We're so proud of you. We've always, always wanted a, a, a daughter. Yes, you're our daughter. So this pretend grace causes people to speak lies. Satan is so very, very good at this. And it kind of goes back to our first note from Douglas. Not to pick on Douglas, but it goes back to clever as a serpent, wise as a, was it, well, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove that we're in a long game. We're in a permanent game. Well, it's not true because in heaven, the game ends, but for now we're in a permanent game and we have to be that way. So thanks for the note, Elizabeth. I appreciate that very, very much. Um, another note on, on man, there's so many people facing this, this situation. Do you guys know people like this? Um, this comes from Keith did I get the wrong note? No, Keith here. Um, Dear Todd, I've been listening to you for many years uh, through KTTH, through Cairo, and now the podcast. Over the years, I've written on a couple occasions and was very touched to have my words included in a personal note segment. Today, I'm writing to ask for prayers and guidance. Um, I've mentioned before I'm a pilot and recently fulfilled a lifelong dream to be an airline pilot. Although I love my job and do genuinely love what I do, 
I currently need to live very far from loved ones because of staffing issues and I'm unable to get to visit my family. During this time, I've again found comfort in your voice and some little piece of home as I'm very thankful for the godly influence of your new show has on me versus the pure pure politics from before. In terms of guidance, I ask about the injections. I have an opportunity to move up to my dream company, which would obviously come with a significantly, um, significantly higher base pay, about five times what I make now. But more importantly, would come with a significant increase in my work-life balance and allow me to move back to my family. This job requires that I be, quote, vaccinated, though, and I'm torn. On the one hand, I'm sure I could find the place to get a card without actually receiving the shot. But in my view, every time I show the card to someone, I would be lying. On the other hand, I agree with you, these shots are dangerous and I do not want to take them. Of course, God is bigger than everything. And if this is his plan, then far be it for me to stand in the way. And I'm certain he will protect me just as he's protected a family member in the exact same situation. Overall, Todd, I ask that you pray for me during this time and may use it to draw closer to him and not fall back into depression. And for his plan for me to be clear, thank you for all you've done in my life over the years. Very grateful for your influence and hope to share a meal together one day um, in this life or the next. Blue skies and tailwinds. P.S. Thank you for the tip about Bulwark Capital Management. I'm only 24, but I've opened up an account with them and feel confident I'll be able to trust them for the next 40 years of my career and into retirement. Thank you for the note, Keith. Appreciate that. Um, Guidance. Well, you're correct in saying that the Lord um, is stronger than all of this, truly. And my pastor recently reminded us that we're indestructible and God says until God says otherwise. I'd also ask you to listen, though, very, very closely to the still small voice. Because the Lord does issue warnings. And, and the Lord speaks in the circumstances. And so what I would ask you to do is now with this circumstance in mind, open your Bible with this circumstance in mind and consult the Bible on tough decisions that people faced. You know, Job faced a series of tough decisions and at any time could have turned his back on God or, or, or you know, walked away from his faith and he didn't. Abram, before he became Abraham, faced perhaps the toughest choice of being told to sacrifice his son. The Lord Jesus, I mean, he faced a very tough challenge in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's praying, take this cup from me and yet not my will be done, but your own, speaking to Father God. So I would go back and look at those tough choice scenarios and then look at how people prayed through it. What were the models of prayer? You know, Abram, before he became Abraham, was, was, he was very prayerful, very mournful, but he went with full faith that God would, would do the right thing, that God's plan was correct. It might be in this case that it's God's plan for you to get this injection and have this career and be able then to give more money to help people, that you might be able to be far more helpful financially to help build the kingdom and to give back the money God is granting you to steward or give back more of it, it might be part of the plan. But I would definitely sit with the Bible and look through the tough decisions that people have had to make. And there's a whole series of them. King David had to make a whole series of tough decisions about his own son who took, you know, attempted to, to take the throne from him and for a little while, in fact, succeeded. And so he had this choice, shall I kill my son? And I don't know how well you know the Bible, but that I, won't, I, won't, I won't ruin it for you in terms of the outcome of that. But it would make sure that that's your decision. Now, I feel like your priorities are well-placed that you want to be near family. That's, that's, I think, the correct thing because it is not right that, God, that man is alone. God said that in Genesis. It is not good that man is alone. 
right? And, and knowing that you've struggled with depression, I would definitely, definitely advise you to not be alone. Um, so it's not an answer. Uh, I would tell you that the injections are quite dangerous. And in the long run, they're going to show to be unbelievably catastrophic. Are you that person? I don't know. At this point, it's a small, it's a small number of people, small percentage, but it's growing. It's growing because the effects are long-term. There are new scents of soaps available in the um, Allen's gift pack or the um, Allen's artisan soap at allensoaps.com slash Todd. That's the Herminator sub. That's where you go get 10% off. You get six bars of soap. You get a soap pouch or a soap rack. So you can try all the new, I always say flavors. It's funny. Alan makes fun of me for that. Um, And they are lilac applewood, which is now officially the favorite scent of the females in my family, my wife and my daughter. And pure, pure has no scent. So if you're one of the people who, and this used to be me, I didn't like any scented soaps because they had the spray on the axe deodorant, baby. Because the chicks, they dig the axe. Actually, just for the young guys in the audience, women hate that stuff. I'm just, I've learned this from women. They think that's stuff that dudes who don't shower spraying themselves because they think it covers it up. I'm just saying. Also, they're part of the party. So these new scents are available, but there's also this. Um, they get these soaps that come and sometimes they're damaged. All made in America, all natural ingredients. They do all their own quality control. Alan, the young man, soon to be 11, so deeply impacted by autism, invents a lot of these scents. But sometimes they get these things. They're called factory seconds. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the soap. In fact, you probably bought damaged bread. When you grew up, did you live on damaged bread and, and damaged goods? I did. That's that's how my mom, that's how we got bread. Went to the damaged bread store. So when you buy these, they wrap them in a sisal pouch. It's the same pouch as you get in the Herminator sub. They sell them as factory seconds. There's a limited supply of lilac applewood that you can try now. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd. That's allensoaps.com slash Todd. Another person who has made a career decision. So Keith, listen up because Christine has made a career decision. Hi, Todd. I left public health, cancer prevention, and survivorship in New Mexico because of the push towards Marxism and communism in my field in my State Department of Health. Your show's been essential to me over the past couple of years, particularly as we entered through and continue to experience the absurdity of COVID stan. You've been a voice of sanity and a reason I appreciate you so much. I recently left my job of 18 years in, quote, public health in the New Mexico Department of Health as it progressively, pun intended, became more and more racist and Marxist in the name of health equality and anti-racism. When the CDC, a loyal party member, began forcing funded states to claim that cancers and chronic diseases in non-white people is caused by racism, I knew I could not <laughs> I knew I could not in good conscience push this garbage on the people of New Mexico. Just in case you're interested, I'm linking to a CDC-funded health equity journal that my manager insisted we talk about and discuss in groups with my colleagues. It was literally unbearable for me to participate in this indoctrination, so I pretty much tuned it out until it was over. In fact, I was supposed to facilitate a session myself, but managed to get out of it. I looked at this thing, and yeah, it's all things are racism. Cancer's racist. 
Um, and they, they're, they're going to talk about equity, that, that health is inexorably linked to having a house. True. You know what else it's linked to? Not being obese. My dad was obese. I loved him dearly. You know what else it's linked to? Not smoking. You know what else it's linked to? Right now, well, and in general, men not sleeping with men. That's, that's a health issue. Sorry. I, I, I have no animus in my heart for, for people because of their sexual desires because we're all broken, sinful beings. All of us, every single one of us. Monkeypox, we talked about that yesterday. If men stop having sex with men for two weeks, we can stop the spread. Stop it. Christine continues, I left my profession after 18 years. I don't think I can ever return to it after what was done in the name of, quote, public health over the past two plus years. I haven't been, um, I haven't been jabbed, although I was subjected to weekly spit testing, which I absolutely resented. Please keep what you're doing with the focus on God and politics at the edge. We love you and we love your show. And my husband, who's from Idaho, says hi to you as well. Well, hello, Christine's husband. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for leaving. Thank you for walking out. Can I ask you a question? What does God intend for you now? What's the work? So I'm asking you this as a sister in Christ. I mean, God put in your heart to leave. So, and you didn't put in your note, perhaps you have a whole bunch of activities you undertake to help people come into the body of Christ. I'm asking you with your specific skill set, in your specific set of experiences, have you prayed for God to reveal the way in which he wants you to work with him? Because he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anyone. But he wants us to work with him because that's how we get to know people. I'm sure there's still people you like in your profession, former profession. I'm sure you develop some relationships. Obviously, you have the relationship with your beloved husband, who's from the freer country of Idaho, freer state of Idaho. So, Christine, let me know what God says as you pray about this, of how you're to use this experience. Because it seems to me you want to speak out. It seems to me that being retired, you are no longer leverageable. But this is my desire for you. My desire for you is to speak out and become a truth warrior in these things and to go public and talk about how rotted the industry has become or the world of public health. But that's my desire. Certainly God would communicate yours to you. Or not your desire, but what he wants you to do. Mark, Todd, do you know why we need forgiveness? If we don't know our sin, how can we be forgiven? God the Father is a spirit. He has no boundary. He's as big or as small as he needs to be. And regardless of size, he's pure love. He is made of perfect love. He has zero impurities with him, within him. Jesus didn't sin because he could not sin. He is fully love in the world full of sin. We do not understand love. When we do not go to heaven, what's it say? When we die, we do not go to heaven. We must go through judgment and, and then we receive a reward. Those in Christ get his rest and those not in Christ get the other. Heaven is a place where love surrounds us continually so strongly that we forget all sin we were in and will never have the desire to leave. Just had to share this with you. And Mark, sorry to cut the, the note short. There's a lot to it. And I will try to get back to you in person. But I wanted to focus on this. If we don't know our sin, how can we be forgiven? I believe it's in 1 John where we're warned that if we say we don't sin, the truth is not with us and we cannot have fellowship with Christ. We cannot walk with him. If we say we don't have sin, we don't walk in the light. Now, I didn't hear you say that, that you don't have sin. 
But if we know, if, if we are to know that we have sin, aren't we then to know what it is? And I would go to the model of King David. King David prayed for the Lord to reveal to David his inequities. Because we know we're all sinners because the Bible tells us to. I think part of our responsibility is to learn what our sins are. I think part of our responsibility is to ask God to search us. Because Christ promises to change us. Come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Follow doesn't mean just walk around with them. And I will make you. That's turning you into something that's changing you. Come live with me, spend time with me, and I will change you in a way that you become fishers of men. Christ just said it more elegantly because he's Jesus. So I would just on that particular part of your note, if we don't know our sin, how can we be forgiven? Well, you're right. Because if we don't know our sin, we can't confess it. And it's when we confess it that we are forgiven. God the Father is a spirit. He has no boundary. True. He's as big or small as he needs to be. And regardless of size, he's pure love. True. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. I know that's First John. He's made of perfect love. He has zero impurities within him. Absolutely right. No darkness at all. Jesus couldn't sin because he's not, he, he is not, he could not sin because he's fully love in the world of sin. He couldn't sin. That would mean that it would have been impossible for him to feel any temptation. And I'm thinking of Christ on the cross, that moment of fear. My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? That moment of fear, if, if you can take this cup from me, please. Please take this cup from me and yet not my will be done but yours. Now, that's not sin. I'm not saying that Christ sins. He didn't. He never did. But I'm curious about that moment of fear, that moment of doubt. Of course, the devil tried to, well, tempted, tried to tempt Christ countless times and, and the responses were utterly flawless. But what were they? They were simply the, the, the Lord Jesus quoting his own word, quoting himself because the word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh. He's quoting himself to Satan. All this stuff can go very, very deep. Last note, since we've gone the full God at the center on this podcast, I want to beg you to do something. If you are a person who hasn't yet gone into the body of Christ, will you do that? Here's what I mean. I had a great discussion with a, with a very good man. He's a Marine. He served our country in combat. Um, he is super successful, bright, friendly, shake your hand off your arm, sort of fella. And I asked him the other day, Hey, what church do you go to? He said, Oh, I, I don't go to church. And I said, wow, really? And he goes, yep, yep. Nope. I know I'm saved and I, I don't go to church. I know I'm saved. Um, and Jesus cured me of cancer and I pray every night. I know I'm saved. And I said to him, well, we certainly miss you in the body of Christ. And he said, the body of Christ, what's that mean? I don't get it. I said, the body of Christ refers to the church. 
Oh, well, I have to do things my way. It has to be on my own mind, on my own terms. I don't go to church, but I know I'm forgiven and I pray every night and, and money is not my God. And it's interesting because I wasn't thinking money was his God. He seems a very joyful, very grateful man for what he has. Seems very grateful. And I simply said to him, you know, I've been reading Pent the, the, the story of Pentecost in the Bible. And he stopped me and said, see, I don't know what that is. I, I don't know what Pentecost is. He goes, I used to read the Bible, but I don't anymore. But I pray every night and I know that I'm forgiven. I know I'm saved. I didn't say this because it was not the setting. And I don't know him well. And I didn't know what my role was there. Maybe my role was to plant seeds. Maybe my role was to shut my big yap and, and, and shut my pride down. Maybe that was my role and I failed. But I would say this. Why did the Lord create the earth? For us to inhabit. Why did he create the church? Why did the people who spent three years with the Lord form a church? Why on the day of Pentecost did they ask 3,000 people to risk being crucified to join the church? Why does the Lord call the church his bride? Why is it referred to as the body of Christ? Why would you not want to join the body of Christ? Well, this gentleman told me that he's too old to change. I don't believe that. I don't believe that because I believe God's working in him. And I know he's a very good man. If you haven't made that decision today, will you do that? Will you join the body of Christ? That's why he created it. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. Please do hit the share button, share with friends. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And hey, find a good church, biblical church. Walk in the door. Come to the body of Christ.